Hey guys, welcome to Journey Podcast. I'm your host Smita Kanturi. You're going to hear a new segment in Journey Podcast as Coach It Forward. Hope you guys enjoy. Hello everybody. I have Dani Peterson with me. She is a certified and accredited ICEF life coach and integrative holistic practitioner. She specializes in she specializes in betrayal trauma, stress management and mindset. She serves and supports her clients collaboratively providing them a safe space to share, heal and explore. Thank you for being here Patterson or Danny, you wanted to go with Danny. Yeah, thank you for being here so much and please go ahead and tell us your story and then why you do your coaching, what is it all about, please. All right, thanks for having me. Um basically my life has just been a journey from the get go. And like everybody, we have our history, we have our, um, our ups and downs, our traumas, our triumphs. And um, I think it, what happened was for me, I actually, early on, I was diagnosed with an illness and that uh, really like kind of started to shape me even more so as far as just awareness of life and the fragility of life and how people encounter life personally and how they show up in life. And I was in high school when that happened. And so having kind of come face to face with death, like all of a sudden, like the world seemed to take on a different hue. And I started to see things differently and hear things differently. And so I was able to make it through that period of time. Thankfully, um, I ended up getting married at the age of 21. And I have two children from that marriage. That particular marriage is, I think, kind of the, was the catalyst to bring me to where I am today. And unbeknownst to me, um, some of the secrets that were a part of my ex's story uh, started to resurface. I had an idea of some things, but we kind of talked about it prior to getting married. And I thought it was kind of like, okay, (laughs) we've talked about it. That's in the past. We're going to move forward and all will be well. And so I jumped in and made the commitment. And from the get-go, it just, something was off and I didn't know what it was. I ended up having my children. I was also a homeschooling mom and I didn't have a job outside of the house. So I was a primary, um, you know, home taker. Like I took care of the home and the kids and schooled them and whatnot. Um, 10 years into the marriage is when kind of my world kind of like, you know, I wouldn't say it came crashing down, but it was definitely a jolt. So I ended up hearing about my husband at the time, um, just the infidelity and really, um, for 10 years, how he had been acting out outside of our marriage in various ways um, with phone chats and pornography and whatnot. And, and it just really unnerved me. But I was so unfortunately steeped in organized religion at the time. Um, and it was like to death do you part, you know, for, for better, for worse and all of that. And I took that literally, but not realizing the havoc that that would wreak in my own physical being. Um, because it takes two in any marriage to make it work. And so for a while it appeared 
that he was making some shifts and changes and I ended up going into recovery as well. I would say that I probably went more into recovery than he did. He kind of did it his way and I was doing it my way in actual recovery groups. And um, I mean, I wasn't wanting to micromanage any of that, but as time came on, things started to feel off again. And then it began for him to morph into like just darker realms. And I started to internally feel that by that time, um, my kids were entering teen years and I just knew that I knew something was like terribly wrong, but I, I didn't have anything to put my finger on. It was just, I had information from the past. This was yeah, part of yeah. his past. And then it just didn't feel right. Like something in my gut said something is terribly, terribly wrong. And yet nobody out there saw it, noticed it, asked questions. They just kind of took him at face value. So there was a period of time where I just felt crazy, really. There was a lot of gaslighting that took place at the time. I didn't even know what gaslighting was and just the form of manipulation. And so fast forward a little bit further, again, him going down darker roads and me getting to a point where I felt like I was unraveling and I remembered crying out, just bring whatever this is to light, whatever this is, this is not right. It feels dark. Um, there were just things happening in my home, you know, with just <clears throat> trouble that was showing up with my kids, like emotionally and even my dog. And so I was at my, my wits end. And I just remember just observing for a whole year, taking a sighting of what I was noticing, what I was seeing, asking questions. And then again, the gaslighting and then no one else seeing things and going to counselors and counselors kind of like, you know, didn't see anything either. And so there was one day where I just remembered literally, please bring it out. And I ended up having a dream that I'm not going to go into, but it was alarming to me. And then two days later, it all came out. It all came out. And he kind of basically confessed what he had been engaged in. And, and it was down some really dark roads again, just pornography, inappropriate pornography and in arenas that never crossed my mind that he would be diving into. Yeah. And so it was one of those moments where it was like, oh my gosh, like, first of all, oh my gosh, like uh, how, and then, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. Like I knew, yeah. I knew something was up. So it was just this weird realm of knowing and validation and complete shock. And yeah. then it just, our world's completely like it was a crash and burn. And so that, that was part of um, the beginning stages of a new beginning in recovery. And so at that point, it was evident we could not no longer be together. It actually led to jail time for him. And our family broke apart in more ways than one. My kids at that time were teenagers. And then I became a single mom. And had to figure out how I was going to survive, how I was going to make it, make ends meet, 
protect what we did have, that we wouldn't lose that from any legal standpoint. And, and then that also became the point in time where it was like, I had to be strong, be the mother. And so I didn't get to dive into like going to counseling because I had to work three jobs and I had, I was homeschooling still. There was no way I could put my kids in school based on the nature of what had exploded in our face. And so I continued to homeschool. I, I continued to work at times three jobs and, and then I started to step into arenas that were just kind of illuminating truth for me and just open to opportunities that were coming my way, whether it would be discussions with certain people. There were times I was able to step into counseling and I would get some new awareness, but basically I was in survival mode for many years after the bomb dropped is what I would like to say. And so my kids turned 18 full disclosure to them, which is a whole other (laughs) trauma event in itself for all of us. And, and then fast forwarding again, um, I started to notice manifestations in my own body, just chronic pain, anxiety, bouts of depression, um, hypervigilance, and was not sure how to keep things together. So I was in so much pain at one point where I ended up getting sent to um, a pain management um, physician. I didn't really understand the totality of what that was. So that was a new arena. And I remembered going through the diagnostic treatments, spending a a buttload of money on like having a shot to see if they could find the nerve that was causing the pain. And then they wanted to cauterize it and like stop the nerve from communicating. And I just was like, well, like if it's not going to communicate, then I'm just going to be in pain and not know it <laughs> like that. It made no sense to me. And so the final straw with that was being sent out with three prescriptions for Vicodin, Tramadol and Percocet. There you go. (laughs) So I just remember going all three, like, I don't understand. Well, you don't want to be hurting anymore. Do you? What? (laughs) So at the time I I ended up working, I was working at that time at hospice of the Valley. So I, I was like, I had medical directors and nurses and I was like, is this okay? (laughs) And they were like, no. And I said, I, I wouldn't be able to drive myself to work. Like, is there anything in here that I can take or when I can take it? So tramadol was the least like of the narcotic <laughs> like bit. And so I just thought there has got to be another way, got to be another way. So that then took me down the path of, I'm going to try yoga, <laughs> see if that works. <laughs> so, um, I stepped into yoga class and then that opened up a whole new world for me. And I remembered jumping in and just feeling like at home on the mat. And yet, because I was so beaten down and I was not in tune with my body, ego was like up and then this protective mode. And so by golly, I was going to like be in this yoga class and I was going to do my thing. Well, I got hurt. (laughs) So I wasn't listening to my body at the time. And so I was out of commission from the yoga for about six months. 
and then pain hurting again, all that just again, surviving, doing the best I could. And then, um, stepping back in somewhere along the way, I got remarried. So 2008, um, it was like three, maybe two, three years later after the divorce was finalized from my first husband. And so he came into my life and my kids moved out of the house by then. And so a whole new realm and a whole new relationship. And so that ended up bringing some things up for me, more of the hypervigilance, um, trust had been like next to nil and, um, let trust for myself. Like I, I didn't know if I can even trust myself in making the right decisions, let alone trusting individuals, um, males and females. So I felt like I was this lone ranger basically, but doors kept opening and I kept walking through them. Um, I do have a higher power that I ascribe to. Um, I call it God. And I grew up Catholic, um, gave my heart to Christ. So I'm a Christ follower. But then I started realizing the trauma in, <laughs> in the church that I had experienced too. So it was like a double whammy because there was this sense of betrayal with, within this organized religion and how I was raised and kind of groomed that way too. And I was ready to throw in the towel with all of it. It was like, done, 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 done. And yet there was this thing inside of me that said, don't give up yet. Don't give up on, on that part that you know to be true. And so it was kind of like, well, everything that I'm seeing is like, like gone wonky. And I, and I don't even know how I fit in any of it. And then there's this. <laughs> that I can't see and I can't touch. It's literally faith alone, but I decided to take a chance and I was like, fine, fine. (laughs) You're going to have to like prove yourself. (laughs) And I will say that, that that has never failed me, that I belong to something bigger and grander that holds all of this craziness that we're all experiencing that held me personally as well as you and everything that we see that ultimately, if I were to describe it is pure love. And that is the safest place for me. It was the place that I was able to run to and feel healed in and be able to feel sane in. And, and I was reminded of, you've always known this. Yeah. You just forgot. And it's been a lifetime, couple lifetimes <laughs> from childhood to teen years, to almost dying, to the first marriage, to the second marriage, to kids moving out. I'd lived very multiple lifetimes in the way I de- de- describe and define that to get to this point. And so I dived into the realm of yoga, yoga philosophy, and I ended up in a yoga nidra class. The yoga nidra class, like my brain went, what? (laughs) So I learned how to drop into that still quiet place and find home again. So from there, that took me down like, okay, well, I've been working at a desk, sitting behind a computer for eight hours a day. I did make a trip to Italy and in that time frame, so a little bit of a sidetrack, I experienced like less pain. <laughs> and I thought, huh, this is interesting. No pain. And my husband said, you know what you need to do. So 
it was a big leap and jump to step out of the workforce. And it wasn't like I ever thought like when I grew up, I'm be a yoga teacher. <laughs> so I began to teach and I continued my education, diving into the philosophies of yoga that really began to make sense of my own spiritual path. So I was starting to see like, hey, this is all kind of connected. And that just opened up the world to me in a different way. It expanded my understanding of who the divine was. And it, I started to feel myself expand. So what started down this holistic path, I was studying yoga nidra, basic yoga, breath work, yoga therapy. And I thought, this has helped me so much to find myself again. I know what it was like to not have these tools in the midst of trauma. What would it be like to actually have this in difficult times? And what if this was the hidden treasure and all that muck that I could take and bring to this and integrate uh -huh. them? Yeah. The pain and then this beautiful mix of modalities. And so I started to walk down that realm and then 2020 hit. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, I, I moved out of the studio, you know, I got to go to India and had a couple trips to Italy. And so there was just this richness and then 2020 hit. And so in comes coaching because I ended up crossing paths with somebody who I don't think I've ever saw, but once afterwards. And she talked about coaching and I thought, well, I already coach people, but what if I make it legit? <laughs> you know, let's just formalize that. So I went down that training and that just, again, expansion, more understanding, more clarity, and really seeing like more of my purpose, like all of my life, it's been purposeful. Now I'm awake with it though. <laughs> and, and so that opened up the coaching side for me. And so I've been since 2020 in the world of coaching, utilizing the practices of um, breath work, meditation, mindfulness, movement um, as needed. And so that's kind of how I got into the coaching world, like all that to hear. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So your coaching specialization, I see it as stress management, uh, betrayal, uh, what is the betrayal, trauma, and the mindset. Yeah. So I take it from your past experience, you wanted to coach on those particular arenas. That's what I know. Okay. So let's just say, even I had gone through a lot of betrayal in my past, and I'm coming to you as a fresher without knowing anything. I'm in the middle of it. I can't manage my own stress. And you have been there. You know what it is or how it is. So when I don't even have an idea about what is my next minute? Of course, nobody knows, but at least in those trauma, traumatical situations, usually people will not have the clarity on what will happen, when will it happen, or like, how is it going to process you, or like, what will happen to you personally? For such kind of a person, if I'm coming to you in the first time, where would you start with me? Well, even how people get to me, like sometimes what happens is people will find me or referred to me, or I come in, it comes in through a back thing and they're looking for help with like goals or stress management. And so I usually send them to my website. They go to the website and they're like, oh my God, like that's so my story. 
what can you do with me? So I approach each client where they are. And so I give them an opportunity. I usually do free consultations. It can last up to an hour, sometimes longer, depending on the need. If I feel like the need and it's appropriate, I might go longer with them because you can't really get to know somebody in just 20 minutes, like a lot of people do. And so I will meet with them and find out where they are in stage of whatever the traumatic event was. Some people are right, like beginning or middle, or they can't get past it. So it depends on where they are. Most of what I've discovered with trauma, what I think is the most important is to work with first and foremost, self-regulating tools to help them learn how to ground and stay centered and be in their body to the best of their ability. And we work on those things initially. How do you stay online mentally? Because we go offline. And then, you know, like it's up for grabs and that's very unsettling. So for those mamas who have kids at home, we try to find ways on being present for themselves, put the mask on first so that they can be there for the kids and navigate. We kind of come up with a game plan based on their specific needs. But I find that when I look at the clientele, a lot of it is just learning to, to come here. Because they're either in the past, stuck in the event, or they're so worried about their future that they can't see through the fog. So it's a trauma fog. So we try to just put the past as best we can out here and the future over here. And we try to bring it here. What is it right now that's going to allow you to feel safe and connected? It's the only place that you can heal. Now, I'm not a therapist or counselor. However, I do understand how the modalities that I use can help um, support somebody who maybe is seeing a counselor or therapist. So I keep them in present time. I let the therapist work on the past, though sometimes the past does come into the work, but I, uh, we, we kind of glean from that work. So regulating is usually initially. Yeah. Um, giving them tools on how to create more peace in their life. Um, the monkey mind, that's the other thing of like, what's, what do we know to be true? Like Byron Katie's work, like what is, what do we know to be true right here, right now? What right now do you have the ability to control in this moment? Like we can't control all of it. We can't control the partner that betrayed us or whoever. We can't control what's happening in the future. What can we manage today? And for some people, it is moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month. It just depends. They're all different. So that's usually where I start with people is just getting a baseline, finding on like how to check in with themselves. If it is my situation, one example for me uh, that I had was like in when I was living in that traumatical conditions, the other person, you never can anticipate how the other person will react or like what they would be or like what they would give you, whatever those their, their mindset is. Though you teach me all these tools for me to be calm, control on what I can, it is not about me at the point of time. It is like both the parties living in the yeah. same place. I can't sure. control the other place or other person. 
So if that is the case, how how would you teach me like yeah to control even that kind of a situation? If let's just say I'm going to have a physical abusive relationship, and uh, if I'm having that, if I'm getting into house after getting all the tools from you and feeling like okay I can do this kind of a mindset and go inside the house, the minute I see the other person, uh, things explode. Yeah, things explode in a bad way. I don't have control on me at all at the point of time. I'll again fall deeper. I might even think in a play, I might even go to a place like, okay, how much ever help that I'm getting, it's not going to help me because this is taking over me. So where where do you think that I need to change or what should I even do at that kind of situations? Well, in an abusive domestic violence in the home that is beyond my scope of training. So I would defer to a therapist because safety is a huge factor and there are specific ways of finding and navigating your way through that that keeps you safe and there's a plan that usually gets like put in place to allow you to and again it depends on this on the partner too because some partners really want to change in which case both would go into some kind of a therapeutic you know environment if the other one is just you know, narcissist and controlling. And it's like, yep, really about someone's life. Again, that's going to take a professional to guide you through that. I would come in if needed, if wanted, if agreed to by the therapist as additional support. That's what I was asking. That's what I was trying to get to. So when you are trying to work on my mindset thinking, though I'm getting like all these other helps as well. So when you are trying to help me through the mindset challenges or the controlling that I can do for myself to make myself better, where do you suggest me like, okay, even if you are going to have this, you are trying to get all this help to come out of that kind of a situation, you can make yourself better or something like that. So where do you suggest me to start that kind of a process with? Well, again, it's going to be individual, you know, like attention. And so, um, again, a lot of times, you know, with gaslighting and stuff, there's just this self-doubt. There is like very low self-esteem, if any, right. You've been beaten down. You don't even know who you are anymore. So a lot of it is just, I think what I end up doing is just supporting them and reminding them of what is true. They might not buy it at the time. Yes. And so, and again, I'm not talking about like denial, (laughs) you know, there is an element and I hate saying this, but there is an element of faking it till you make it kind of because we're rewiring the brain. It's only known one thing. And so just gently coming alongside them. And it's like, what's one thing we can do right now? We can always breathe. And what is one thing right now that you know about yourself? that you can at least cling to. The fact that you're still here and alive says a lot. Yes. Right? So just reminding them like where they are now, like you're here now, like whatever it, whatever you did, whether other people see it as like, how did you not just leave? It's like when you're in survival mode, like you're in survival mode, you're in the primal brain and you do whatever you need to do. And it will not likely make sense to anybody else out there, but it is the most courageous thing that you did to keep yourself alive. So I will validate that part. 
Now, 20 years from now, you might not respond in the same way. You won't be the same person. But in that moment, you did whatever you thought was the best thing that you could do to stay alive. Yes. And I would speak to that part saying, courageous, resilient. Don't ever forget that. Even if everybody thought you were crazy for staying, I stayed in, I wasn't being beaten uh, physically. I was beaten down emotionally and mentally and, and just, you know, taken for a ride. And so I kind of lost sight of myself, but I was choosing to stay at that time until it became like apparent, like, no, <laughs> like it was just, it was actually the decision was made for me. <laughs> you yeah. know, he got arrested. So it was kind of like, okay, but it, my, and again, everybody has a trade-off for some, someone who's staying in an abusive situation. It's probably because they're afraid of being killed and, you know, or somebody being threatened. If you don't, I'm going to go after. So again, outside of my realm of training, I would assume that somebody professional that deals with that would walk them through the process on how to remove themselves. But then where I would maybe come in supporting what the therapist or counselor is doing is to, to try to just let them know they're not alone. They have support. And again, speaking to the courageous part, the part that once they get out, once they are safe, then can begin the healing process. But right now it's about survival. Yes. And whatever that takes is what takes, again, I only can take them so far with what I do in, in, in that scenario, I'd, I would be working alongside a therapist or counselor and trying to keep them in present time. The fear is real. Yes. I accept it hundred percent. I lived like that so many years. Yeah. And for me, I stayed, I had a roof over my head, food on the table. He had a facade to keep up with. So I knew that from outside appearance, like he wouldn't do anything blatant. Like part of me wished like, okay. And I say this carefully <laughs> and I think you'll understand part of like, I wish I had something that I could show that could say, yeah, I need to leave, but I didn't. So again, I could take care of my kids. I could still homeschool them. So what? We didn't have sexual relations. Like I didn't care. Like I wasn't, I couldn't, <laughs> it was like not safe to even go there and exposed to things. Now he lied about a lot of it and it didn't all come out till later on, but my trade-off was a home, food, clothing, I could homeschool. There was provision coming in, even though I didn't know what was going on on the outside, when I did know what was going on, on the outside and he got arrested. And then when more stuff came out, it was like, there's no way that this is gonna ever work, ever. So that was my exit. For someone in your situation, you had to be strategic about it. And that takes a certain professional to walk you through the strategic steps that's outside of my realm. But if you could, like, if you were taking one step and then the other, and you just needed somebody to validate you, I would come in. Let's just breathe right now. Yeah. Feeling anxiety right now is the person in the room. No. Okay. Right now you're safe. What are some things that you can see? touch, taste, feel, and let's just breathe and find out what your next best thing would be. And then what would be the next best thing? So it's a journey. Some people kind of come and want the one and done, you know, that doesn't work. 
So I only work with people that are in it because they know that there's something on the other side that's better. They just don't know how to get there. And it's not to say I have all the answers, but together we'll figure it out. Yeah. Together we'll figure it out. Or I have plenty of resources. Let's explore this. Maybe this person can help you. And so I, I work kind of like in a, within a tribe, <laughs> you know, so that the person feels like there's a team yes. supporting them. That's how I would work. But again, it's case by case. That's an awesome way to make them understand as you mentioned, like, yeah, you're not alone. There are a lot of people around you to help you may not walk the same path you are, but yeah, we are here to help you to get you out of whatever the situation. The people that I need to see will surface absolutely and so and I do work with people because I know what it's like to be a single mom working three jobs I mean like I I wouldn't have been able to afford (laughs) you know stuff so if I know like I work on a sliding scale and I get a sense some people like will say like I really can't and then I hear that they're like in Aruba or like take you know they I'm gonna go to the Ritz Carlton this weekend and I'm like what (laughs) and you can't afford this so I, I, I meet people where they're at energetically. That has to be an energetic exchange that feels good to both. And so, you know, I have some clients that are like the prices listed on my, on my website. Like, you know, I have like a a woman who's a retirement. She's like 75, she's a limited income, but she shows up every time she does the work. And so I have a lesser price for her. And I do that for a few people and I may have one pro bono. Like I, I had a vet I was working with and, or one time I like just recently I'm finishing up working with somebody who works in child protective services that they just needed support. So like I can do some pro bono work. Sometimes I'll do sliding scale. I don't have a lot of clients, although I'm working on a program, two programs um, with two other um, colleagues one specific to betrayal trauma. So it'll be a support group. And then that will morph based on the needs that we're, we're discovering and seeing with the people that are coming to us. The other one is more for women empowerment. And yes, it deals with some trauma, but it's people that have actually kind of come a little bit further along the way and just need the community of sisterhood and be able to be reminded that they are amazing and phenomenal and resilient. And we do deep dive work but we also like, we're doing um, a belly dancing experience called bodacious femmes. And that's allowing people to allow movement of energy through movement of the body. And, you know, we hold a lot of trauma sometimes in our hips from a physiological standpoint. So it's just a way, but also to have fun, (laughs) you know? So it's got a purpose and play. Okay, thank you for tuning in. And you can find me on all the socials at Smitha Gunturi and the show notes for any resources mentioned. See you next week. Take care.